0: The shortcode Podcast is a proud member of the MedEd Media Network. Inspiration, information, and guidance on your journey to medical school and beyond at mededmedia.com. Meandering in the margins of medicine, it's the Shortcode Podcast.
1: Weird news, fresh views, helpful clues, and interviews. By students for students, subscribe to our weekly show at theshortcoat.com.
0: Let's wrap up your year by asking each other how you would rate different aspects of your first year.
1: How do you guys feel about anatomy, particularly the cranial nerves? Yes, <laughs> rate the
2: cranial nerves. I feel like we all need to come to terms with the fact that like everybody is struggling and Trying to like quantify the amount is like a fool's errand. If you want to be more empathetic to your patients, get rid of one of
0: one, a piece of your amygdala. Welcome back to the Shortcoat Podcast, the show that gives you an honest look at medical school, a production of the University of Iowa Carver College of Medicine. With me today in the SCP studio, it's a passel of M1s, a, a gaggle, a flock, a, that works, a crowd, mm-hmm. oh. Of M1. Say hello to uh, Matt Engelkenton. Howdy. Sitting next to Matt is Maddie Fitzhugh. Hey, hey. And then over there is uh, Tracy Chen. What's up, everyone? And Jacob Lamb. Hello. Jacob, Maddie, newbies on the show. Start with you, Maddie. Where are you from?
3: Yeah. So I'm from Indianola, Iowa. Oh, um, it's a town just south of Des Moines. Uh-huh. Pretty small. Uh-huh. And then I went to college at Loyola in Chicago. Okay. Now. I'm What'd Indian. you
0: study at Loyola? Neuroscience. Okay. All right. Big brain girl. All right. And 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 Jacob, what about you?
4: I'm born from a small city in Iowa called Cedar Rapids. Oh, okay. pretty pretty far from here. Yeah. <laughs> and then I went to undergrad here. So.
0: And, and what did you study? in uh,
4: Biochemistry. Okay. All right.
0: I was hoping for something more, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? More, more different, you know, so that you could prove to people that you don't have to have a neuroscience degree or a biochemistry degree or whatever hate to, to come to med school. But you disappointed me. You studied smart things. <laughs> so that's fine. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on the show with me. um, You guys, we're approaching the end of your M1 year. You've got a few things left to do. But if you were to summarize your M1 year, Matt, how would you summarize your M1 year? Putting me on the spot. Okay. I am. You know, I'm not fooling around,
2: Matt. I'd say it's going well. Obviously, there are some parts of it that are really hard and not great, I'd say. Not great. But in general, like... I think that there are a lot of positives. I've made a lot of friends in my first year. Mm -hmm. I feel like my preconception of medical school was that everybody would be like a gunner and like really like not necessarily cutthroat, but definitely competitive. Mm -hmm. And I haven't really felt that, at least at our institution, like I feel like almost everybody here I could consider a friend or at least a colleague. And it's a really like good environment to be in. So like I know that even on my bad days, I have people that I can lean on and it feels like i can be like supported and helped even if like i'm struggling in a certain thing so yeah even though sometimes school is hard it's nice to know that i have that backbone that i can like rely on what haven't you liked a lot of school (laughs) i feel like like obviously the expectation is to learn a lot in your first year and i feel like we have done exactly that learned a lot. my main complaint is I feel like some of the things that they want us to learn, I feel like, are things that we will end up just Googling when we're doctors, and so I'm not <laughs> sure why we need to be tested on it in our first year. So yeah, I feel like sometimes the professors can get like lost in the field rather than like trying to find the big picture, but I also understand that on the flip side, every single... like blade of grass is important. So it's kind of that hard balance between like disliking that we need to learn everything, but also understanding its importance.
0: Yeah. And also I, th- I think it's hard for you to maybe know at this point what it is that's important Yeah. versus what it is that you'll never, that you'll rarely see in, in clinical practice.
2: Yeah. And a lot of that is just like, there's going to be certain practices that are going to need to know all this stuff that I'm considering like useless right now. Which, depending on like the specialty that we go into, may be useless. But there's going to be those people that go into a specialty that focuses on all the diseases of the Krebs cycle, and then every single podcast where we complain about the Krebs cycle is gonna be like bad to them because they actually need to know this stuff. <laughs> yeah,
0: I, you know, when you guys, when listeners, when these guys complain about their about the things that they're learning, just keep that in mind.
2: You, they don't know what they're they don't know what they're gonna need someday. I don't know. One day we're going to be in residency and they'll be like, remember the coagulation cascade? And we'll be like, oh, no. (laughs) So let's try this. Let's wrap up your year by asking each other how you would rate
0: different aspects of your first year.
1: You know, I think such a big part of every school curriculum is anatomy. And everyone's freaking out about that over the summer. Like, do I study before M one year? And it's like, don't do it. But how do you guys feel about anatomy, particularly the cranial nerves in general?
2: yes rate oh, your rate, rate rate cranial. the cranial nerves
1: can you remember
4: from 1 <laughs> to 12, <laughs> <laughs> one
1: 12 yeah.
4: well so my thoughts about the cranial nerves 10 out of 12 like uh-huh. i mean like with anatomy it's just like repetition for sure like every time i'd go to a lecture i'd just be like what the heck just happened like for me it was just it was very really difficult for me but like i think just like enough repetition and like actually getting into the anatomy lab was like Super helpful and then also helped on the practical exam. That first one was awful, by the way.
0: Okay. Anatomy, we've got a, we've got a 10 out of 12 rating. I, did, I neglected to, uh, to put some boundaries on the Likert scale. So, you know, whatever mm-hmm. whatever out of whatever you want, that's fair game.
2: I'd say 10 out of 12 is a pretty pretty decent rating. I think I didn't take Anatomy before going here, so it was all brand new and I will say it's a little overwhelming at the beginning and I think that it could be just like the way that our curriculum teaches it but I feel like it was a very accessible way to teach it for people that I guess don't know ours is more of like a like a body centered way so like we'll focus on different areas of the body rather than like learning all the bones and then all the muscles because at least for me it's really hard to put it together if we just like learned all the bones and didn't realize why like there's holes in some of the bones and why some of the bones have like things coming off of them but if you learn the muscles and like what's going through them, then it all makes a lot more sense. So I appreciated that. Like Jacob said, I think anatomy lab was really helpful and our like teachers and facilitators were really good. So in general, I thought that they presented anatomy in an accessible way.
4: I just wanted to add before we go on. I took anatomy before an undergrad was not helpful. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I think also.
0: Yeah, I mean, just a, a certain amount of time is always spent catching those people who haven't taken anatomy before up in the beginning of of medical school i mean that's the whole reason why we front load anatomies in the curriculum but but yeah maybe anatomy so, so so is anatomy taught is, is the focus of anatomy different in medical school than it is in in undergrad in your experience
4: well undergrad it was just like so like surface level that i'm like i don't even know like the first day he talked about like different muscles and i was like i don't even remember hearing about these at all
0: mm. okay all right what what's what's an, what's what would you ask somebody to rate, Maddie?
4: Ooh, good one.
3: Um, I mean, we can just throw back to the Krebs cycle. How would you all rate learning the Krebs cycle for like maybe the 50th time in our lives? It just seems
1: like I would rate it 3 out of 5. It just seems like every <laughs> first of all, we learned it in like for me back in high school, a little bit in like middle school and then high school again then undergrad a couple times in here and since like every time they just add on more layers and layers of this onion and you're like please stop I don't want to hold this stop. onion anymore
3: <laughs> yeah I don't like this onion something med school I think has really taught me is that like especially this semester now that we're returning to things that we learned last semester it's crazy that like I just forgot like everything and it's like I'm learning it for the first time all over again. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I feel like
2: that will continue. Yeah, Yeah. I'd say one thing, one positive thing about the Krebs cycle is it helps uh, us all live. It does help us all live. (laughs) I feel like that's Um, that's pretty positive. But it comes back a lot. Obviously, it's, you know, how we generate energy. But something that like you don't learn on a surface level, but you learn further down is like every single part of the Krebs cycle can be like shunted to other things or other things can come into it. And so honestly, like the coolest part about the Krebs cycle isn't necessarily like the general Krebs cycle, but it's like if the body is trying to like build itself up, it will shunt things away from the Krebs cycle to turn it into fat. And if it's just trying to gain energy, then it'll bring fats and proteins into the Krebs cycle to turn it into energy and stuff like that I found was like really cool. And it's not just like, ooh, sugar turns into energy. It's like actually how the body will adapt to, like, different circumstances and different needs. And I found that to be, like, really cool that every single part of the cycle and basically everything in biochemistry, like, don't get me wrong, biochemistry is a lot, but I find it really cool that every single, like, side product and every single intermediate step has a bigger use for different reactions and it all kind of comes together in a beautiful symphony that I don't like learning.
3: (laughs) (laughs) So, like, 46
2: out of five uh yeah somewhere around maybe like a 4.2 okay, i'd say okay. learning it was still hard but like looking at it after it's learned becomes more beautiful than actually learning it how would you rate i assume
0: that our uh, beloved biochemistry professor pete rubinstein sang you a song did he sing you a song
1: he didn't get to see it this time. I was really sad. What? I know, the urea cycle song. We should get him to sing it.
0: The urea cycle song. we were trying
1: to get him to sing for Carver's Got Talent. Mm. He said next year. So I'm going to hold you to that promise, Dr. Rubenstein. <laughs> I hope you're listening to <laughs> it. Everyone, is has been recorded. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, that's too bad. Okay. Anything else? You What What, what else should we, should we rate about medical school?
1: What about the people in general? How do you guys feel about your colleagues, your like
0: Ooh, loaded questions
1: we'll start with Bell m1s
3: <laughs> no i feel like at least for me everyone's a lot more social and just like i guess normal that sounds kind of bad but everybody's <laughs> just like really cool and interesting and like yeah i've i've made a lot of friends here and i think i just like i enjoy medical school as a whole a lot more than i thought i was going to
0: which was really good they're just normal yeah you guys are just normal people yeah, yeah. nice
4: I would say it's a lot more friendly than like undergrad where like there's just so many people it's like hard to like connect with people but like here it feels a lot more like a friendly community and like there's a lot more people you say like hi to and
0: always and stuff. Do you think some of that is you know like I, my, my memories of undergrad are a bit hazy for a few reasons but do you do you think part of that is because you know in undergrad you're all kind of doing different things everybody you know is probably doing different things you like you're you know, hanging out with, you know, engineers and English majors and all this kind of stuff. So you're, you know, you're all, you're all doing these different things, but then med school, you're all sharing the same adventure, I guess you could call it charitably. Do you think that's part of why there's a deeper connection?
4: I think for sure. Just like struggling together.
1: Yeah. I think when you have, when you're crying and having a mental breakdown together, you just, there's a bond that forms between (laughs) each other. Nice crying, a nice
0: crying bond. (laughs) That's nice. Glad we could provide (laughs) provide
2: that for you, Trace.
0: How about your? uh, How would you rate your leisure time, Matt? You you mentioned playing video games before the show.
2: I do like playing video games. I feel like well, I think there's no such thing as wanting like not wanting leisure time. I feel like I could obviously have more. I think one struggle that I have is that in our curriculum we have lectures before like for the next exam before we take the previous exam. So, like, Fridays and Saturdays for me are almost always just, like, I'm going to do nothing type of days. But it's hard to have in, like, the back of my mind, I have, like, six lectures to watch. And so I find, like, it's not quite as leisurely as I would like. Mm. That being said, I feel like I do find a lot of times to just, like, hang out with friends or, like, be able to study with friends and like study, and then we can take a break and like talk or play like a card game or something. So like trying to incorporate leisure time into studying, but then also just like realizing that one of like the side effects of being in medical school is that we're always going to be stressed about something. I'm pretty excited for the summer because I'm not sure about you guys, but I'm not studying for step one. So I will have really nothing to worry about and so my leisure times can actually be leisurely but yeah just like taking the times where we can like hang out with our friends or play video games or watch Netflix and like understanding that we are putting aside our studying to do this mm-hmm. and like knowing that it's going to be in the back of our head but just like accepting that we need our own time to be like human is something that I've been able to kind of come to terms with better than in an undergrad no, I
1: totally agree I mean, I've never baked before in the past, but I picked up baking here in medical school and it's been really nice and just bake for like small groups, small lectures, everything like that. It just keeps you sane.
4: Yeah, I'd agree. Like I set aside like an hour of my each day just to play video games or whatever, just like not study all the time and just like have a time to relax and like you have to find that balance for yourself.
3: Yeah, I think in the beginning it was definitely a lot harder because I feel like in undergrad, you're able to get to all of the things on your to-do list. Whereas here there's always more that you can do. And so I think for a while it took me time to like learn how to just like put things down and like go enjoy my time. Yeah,
0: there really is. You could, you could, you could do as much as you want really. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's a minimum, I suppose, but like you could just keep piling it on. There's always something to do, whether it's you know, getting involved in extracurricular activities or studying more or all this kind of stuff. Speaking of extracurricular activity, did you do any extracurricular activities aside from the podcast? Well, so I didn't even do the podcast till now, but, like,
4: <laughs> I got involved. And I in, resent that. <laughs> I got involved in some, like, volunteering, like, with mobile clinic because it was, like, a really good opportunity to, like, actually use what we're learning and, like, with real patients yeah. before, like, getting into clinicals. And... I did part of some other organizations like diversity and just like hosting fun activities and speaker events and stuff like that.
3: I did mobile clinic too a couple of times, which was really fun. And then I also um, volunteered at something called Upstream Clinic. Yeah. So it's a clinic in the high risk OB clinic in UIHC. And basically, we just all the patients get like a survey and they can indicate whether they feel like they have like transportation insecurity or like food insecurity. Things like that, and then we print off resources that are like county specific to where they live, and then I just go in, have a chat, and give them some resources. So that's cool. really awesome.
2: I get in, I get involved in leadership for the um, community, I guess. So I'm one of the co mayors of Flocks, and that's been really fun to be able to, like put together events and like supervise other things. Um, and last month we put on a 5K called Doc Dash, which was really fun to work with. Um, And I'm really excited for next year to be able to, like, create a warm and welcoming environment for the incoming M1s. I know we've all talked about, like, feeling welcome and secure here. And one of my major goals for the fall is to make sure that next year's incoming class feels the same way that we all do. Nice. I like it.
1: Yeah, I've done a lot. I've also done a little bit of mobile clinic and upstream clinic. I think something that I'm looking forward to doing actually in the fall and starting a little bit over the summer is like we have an annual bench press. Yeah, the the
0: domestic violence intervention program is uh, the beneficiary of that fundraiser.
1: Correct. Yeah, we actually raised $1,000 for them this spring and hopefully raising a lot more in the fall. Everyone should join, um, get pumped, and then we'll see if the orthopedics department wins first again, as always. (laughs) 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 Urology made a really good attempt, but I think it's just really fun to like plan and like work with everyone as a team and just me like many, many great people.
0: How would you rate your uh, anxiety level?
1: I feel like out of five, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. You know, sure.
0: Whatever rating you like. We'll
3: do five. Um, Probably like, I mean, in the beginning before the first test, I really don't think I've been more nervous in my entire life. So that was like solid five out of five before the first exam, like more so than five. the MCAT. I don't know why I was so stressed. I think it's just like, you know, We've all worked so hard to get here. And so being here and having our first test, I just was like super overwhelmed. But now I feel like probably like a two or one.
2: Okay, I'd say one thing that I noticed. So I got put on medication this year. So we love we love therapy here. We love treating mental health here. But one thing that I noticed is that I kind of agree where the tests have gotten less like anxiety riddled. But just, like, the stress and the amount of work that you have to do in medical school can definitely lead to, like, like high anxiety levels just in general or, like, burnout, things like that. And so one thing that I really appreciate of, like, CECOM is that we have a in-house, like, counseling center. And so it's nice to have those kind of, like, forward-thinking um like people to help us before like we need to or like to have it really accessible and for us it's free which is really nice we don't even before have to it becomes worry. A crisis. and so it's nice to have that backbone of support but that being said i think that there's like a lot that can overload somebody just like like we said not having enough time for leisure always like worrying about things that we could be doing can definitely lead to like anxiety producing situations not necessarily like being anxious over tests but just about being anxious in general sometimes everybody, Anybody else have any anxiety thoughts they want to share
1: i think everybody probably has a lot of anxiety i'm for me right now it's been like a two out of five because we're so close to the end of the semester but i definitely agree that coming in to med school like i was also having like some health related issues to the point where like they're like okay we're gonna send you for an mri of the brain and <laughs> it came back normal it's like you're just stressed i was like well, thanks for scaring me. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I love that. That's a great diagnosis because you're like, it's like you're, you're just stressed. Oh, just stressed. Okay, you need but, to fix yeah. your stress.
2: I know my my dentist was like, you're grinding your teeth, and one of the ways you can like stop grinding your teeth is to be less stressed. But also, you're in medical school, yeah. so that's not going to happen. Got so we'll just get it, you got a bite guard. Yeah. Let me let me get right on that. Okay.
1: Sure. My primary care physician was like, yeah, it's not going to get any better. Good <laughs> luck. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> thanks. But it did get better. Good exercise. Planning out things a little bit better. But yeah, baking, baking, so delicious. <laughs> Not so good for maybe physical health, but we're getting there. I appreciate
3: that you bring your things into the and share them. A lot sh- of
1: that goes to my friend Betty. and I want to give a shout out because she's my thinking teacher. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Listeners, if you ask us a question, it means that I don't have to make something up to talk about on the show. And the show becomes what you want it to be. So send your questions to the shortcodes at gmail.com or leave a message at 347-SHORT-CT. We'll talk about it on the show. What about sleep? The importance of sleep is w- is well known. Do you guys get enough sleep? No.
4: For me, I try to get like seven, but... I don't fall asleep very fast, so I usually, can't do that. But like, my body just kind of gotten used to it.
0: <laughs> I've read that that's not a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, do, do you do you why 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 do you have trouble sleeping? Just because you don't? Well, is it because you have? Is it because you don't have good sleep hygiene, or is it because you can't shut off your brain at night? I'd probably say it's both, like.
4: I know, like, I go to, be- I like, get in bed at 12 and wake up at seven. So, like, obviously, like, you're cutting it real close already. And then I just can't, like, fall asleep once I'm, like, laying down. Like, you know, that phenomenon where you're, like, oh, you're so tired and then you try to sleep and then you're, like, wide awake. Yeah. It's kind of me. Yeah.
1: I feel like I have a, just a little bit opposite as Jacob. I also get around, like, seven, seven and a half, but I make sure that once the clock hits 11, I'm like, all right, it's time for me to, like, go to bed. Put up good routine and my body knows it's time to sleep, but I fall asleep like ridiculously quickly. <sighs> yeah,
2: I'm je- I'm more like you, Jacob. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do a really, ba- I do a really bad job of forcing myself to go to bed. Like if I'm doing something, I'm like I can keep going, and so there's some nights that just become late nights because I'm like I can't stop. I have to do these things. That being said, I think like kind of gaming the system to like obviously we have classes that we need to go to but lectures you can watch after the fact so if i go to bed late just to be like not gonna set an alarm i'm gonna wake up at like you know noon and then figure out the consequences later of like having to (laughs) watch lectures like after dinner i mean that being said i always study after dinner but like to kind of push the the night but make sure that there are nights that i know i can sleep in so that way i'm not like perpetually exhausted. That being said, I am perpetually tired, but I think that's more of just like a side effect of medical school.
3: Yeah. I am also one that does not watch lectures live, so I don't know. Sleep is like the one thing that I am not willing to like budge on, and Mm. so I get like nine hours probably every day, just because like I quite literally can't function if I don't, so and I'm like super cranky and mean. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, I'm very I'm pretty... I've always... Had trouble sleeping, but yeah, definitely as I've gotten older, I'm it's pretty much the worst. But I have discovered in recent years sleep podcasts, which is I always like to point out is an amazing concept because you know, here's Dave, the podcaster, trying to come up with something interesting to say every week. And then there's this whole group of people who just want to be boring. And <laughs> they're they've probably got more listeners <laughs> because nobody can sleep. So What's your best memory of this year?
4: I don't really think, can think of like one, but I just like the memories I've made with like the new friends that I've made over the course of this year. been It's definitely been a change in me. Like I've definitely grown up since coming here and like just like making new memories for me. Nice.
1: I will say my most recent one, a lot of great memories here made in that school is that my housemates were all watching The Shining. So I wanted to wait until like, the part spoiler alert, but there's twins and there's like a flood of blood coming down. <laughs> so I quietly went there, covered my face with my hair, and then went to go scare them. That was great. Nice. And then I went on with my day and studied.
2: How <laughs> dare you spoil a movie that's like um, 42 years old? See, so I think. So my friend group hosted. We watched The Bachelor that every was week. That's gonna be mine. Uh, well, we can do a joint one then. Okay. And I think. My, my favorite memory was in the most recent season, so this is only going to be important for people that have already watched The Bachelor, is the lead was horrible at dressing himself. He was not good. And one of the things that we all picked out is that he would wear blazers with just about anything. And I think a couple of times he wore them with hoodies or like quarter zips. Stuff that just doesn't go with blazers. And so for the finale. it's a a look. It is a look. And so for like the last time we did it for the year, every person showed up wearing just like a horrible conglomeration of clothes. (laughs) And it was a lot of fun.
3: Yeah. We took a group picture and it was, they were very cute. Nice. But, you know, that was going to be mine too. It was just nice because it's every single week. And so you had that set time that you just were like, putting away all of your stuff and like spending time with friends and people would bring food and stuff. So that was something that, something to always look forward to. Plus it was always on Monday or Tuesday and like those days are like not fun anyways. So just made them a lot better.
0: Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Worst memory.
1: The wasp that came into my room the other day. Oh dear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only thing about Iowa City, besides the weather, I'm from California, so I'm used to hot weather, but it's dry and there's a lot less bugs. But here in Iowa, there's just so many bugs and they came in through my screen window and I am terrified of anything that stings. So that would be the worst memory of me just screaming. There's a wasp. And then people would be like, did someone scream in the house?
0: Do you live with <laughs> other You live with other people?
1: I live in a house full of 20 other people. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a big co-housing, viral sigma, six, uh, viral sigma yeah. putting it out there.
0: Okay. Worst memory?
3: So mine is related to my sweet little dog Noki. She's a Corky. I do. Yes. She's pretty loud, yeah. but she's, she's good. Okay. Yeah. So towards the beginning of the year, she got sick and she had really bad diarrhea. Aww. And so I was, that's it was just all <laughs> over my whole apartment. And I ended up like stepping in it while I was trying to clean it up. And then that made it worse. And then I, you know, clean it all up. And Flushed it in the toilet, and then my toilet got clogged, Uh and started the water started overflowing into my entire floor of my bathroom, and I just started crying. (laughs) (laughs) So that was probably my
0: worst one. God damn, pets are just the (laughs) grossest. We love them so much, but they're pets and children. They're just disgusting.
3: (laughs) Yeah, having a dog is just like having a toddler just forever, kind of. (laughs) But you know, she's, she's lovely. Matt actually met her for the first time. I did. It was really
2: exciting. Yeah. She scared my cats, but that's okay. Oh. Worth it. I don't know if this is the worst memory, but it's the one that creates the best story. And so I am a huge Iowa sports fan. I'll put it on record. Uh, <laughs> I've had season tickets to the football game since I was seven. And so I still keep that up. That's like, we all say that we have something that we're not willing to give up, and for me, it's I'm not willing to give up going to sporting events. All right. And so, it was the it was the Iowa Purdue game, and I like the night before I was starting to feel kind of gross, um, but I was like, whatever, it's probably just a cold, and it kept getting worse. And so, like before the game, I went to quick care to be like I'm not feeling well, and they're like. I'll we'll just put you on antibiotics, whatever. Like, I don't know what's wrong with you. And I was like, okay. But, anyways, I get to the game super early. I, me and my friends always sit in the front row. So I'm at the game super early. In line, I get pink eye. And I'm like, this sucks. But I'm like, I can't leave. That's like, I have to go to the football game. So I go to the football <laughs> game and we're garbage. We play so bad. We're like, at this point, we're number two in the country. And we look awful against Purdue. And so I'm like, I'm sick. I'm like trying not to touch anything because I'm also contagious. Luckily, I didn't hear of anybody that got pink eye afterwards. So hopefully I didn't spread it. But don't listen to the future doctor going to a football (laughs) game with pink eye. Yeah. But yeah, so I go to this game just feeling like absolute garbage. And then we lose. And so then I just go home and I just feel like trash. But there's my story. Okay. Sad, sad memory.
4: There's not really one that really sticks out. I mean, it's just like, for me, it's like, there's some days that are just hard, you know? And you're just like, you're tired of studying, you're just like, you just want to cry. But boys don't cry, right? <laughs>
2: no. Oh. Never. No.
4: <laughs> I don't know, but there's just those days that you're just not feeling it, and then you just gotta kind of push through, or like...
0: Yeah, for sure. For yeah, sure. I think like the worst days
2: are the kind of days where like if somebody were to ask you what you did, you'd say like nothing or like I watched one lecture in eight hours and I was like, well, what do you do during the rest of it? And you're like, I don't know. So it's like the days where like your free time isn't productive free time. It's just like a waste of time or almost the worst in my opinion. You can have unproductive free time. That's okay. I give you permission. Well, I mean, productive free time is in like doing something that betters you like productive is in like, video games are productive for my mental health or going on a walk is productive for like clearing my brain or like physical activity but there are some days that just like don't feel like they're productive in any sorts of way just days where you kind of like mess around on your phone and just don't feel like don't feel like you used your free time to like better yourself it just feels like you're just as stressed as you were before and you didn't do anything yeah Well, sorry for hijacking you, Jacob.
4: No, I completely agree. Like, I have those days where it's like, there's a difference between like spending two hours, like I'm going to play video games for two hours, versus like, oh, I only got one lecture done in three hours and two hours, like I didn't play video games. Just (laughs) evaporate, yeah.
0: Shortcodes. If you're enjoying our conversation today, I'd be grateful if you'd let people know by posting a story on Instagram or Facebook or tweeting about us, and don't forget to tag us in your post. Thank Thank you well all right i'm glad you've made it through your first year. some people say it's the harder year after
3: frolics i think courier sounds slightly terrifying but mm-hmm. we'll i mean we'll get through it
0: I but, I, like- but i think a lot of people go into that core year and it's it's such a it's it's a good change of pace you know like you're doing something that's fundamentally different than what you've just spent the last you know 18 months in our case um doing so i I feel
2: like every every year like wants to be the hardest it's not like an everybody kind of thing but the amount of times this year that i've been that i've been told like you think foundations is hard wait until mohd one and then like you think mohd one is hard wait until mohd two and then like wait until keystone and wait until core year Um, But you're
0: sort of building up your tolerance. Exactly.
2: But I feel like almost everybody like wants to say that what they're going through right now is harder than what other people are going Mm -hmm. through. And to like just recognize that everything we do is hard. And yeah, things are hard, but we also grow and like some things are harder for other people is something that like. I feel like we all need to come to terms with the fact that like everybody is struggling and trying to like quantify the amount of struggling we're going through is like a fool's errand. It's probably not super helpful. <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, I'm looking forward to like courtyard because we get to actually talk to people and then like help out as much as we can as baby med students can.
4: <laughs> I will say, like, I've worked with like some like third years at like mobile clinic, for example. And like, the difference in like our skills is like completely like I'm just like fumbling through the history and then they're like exactly know what to ask. And I'm
0: like, That'll be me in two years. Question mark. Well, good. Like I said, I'm glad you. I'm glad you guys. I'm glad you guys made it this far. Um, it's going to be. Things will continue. It'll be great. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Our sponsor for this episode is Panacea Financial. It's the national bank for doctors by doctors. As a doctor, the average bank isn't built for the medical student community, but at Panacea Financial, they get it because they've lived it. As a bank founded by two med peds physicians. They are dedicated to providing solutions for the unique needs of doctors and doctors in training like you guys, including their PRN personal loan. Do you have a good way to cover the cost of moving for residency or paying for an unexpected life cost? Do you want to avoid credit cards or refinance existing and expensive credit card debt? Then check out their PRN personal loan as a way to help. It has up to $15,000 in funding for medical students, a period of no or low affordable payments. No co requirement. And even if you don't need any of Panacea's medical student loans, you can refer a friend and Panacea Financial will pay up to $250 for each referral. There is no limit to how many people you can refer. So join the n- growing number of medical students nationwide that expect more from their bank and have switched to Panacea Financial. Visit PanaceaFinancial.com today to learn how a bank for doctors by doctors can help you. Panacea Financial is a division of premise... Member FDIC. Thanks, Panacea Financial, for your support. It's nice to have you back. You know, you may know that I love a good case study. I mean, bodies are super odd, and they do very strange things sometimes. So let's see if you can peer through these case studies that I picked out <laughs> from the internet to fill in the blanks in this pop quiz. Ready?
2: Maddie's looking at me like, uh,
1: <laughs> i just guess not prepared
2: for this. <laughs> we'll see how good our evidence-based clinical practice skills are <laughs>
1: We got this.
2: A
0: woman developed serious muscle and heart conditions, arriving at the hospital complaining of leg weakness and dizziness during her 37th week of pregnancy. She had low potassium and an irregular heartbeat. After admission, she developed a rapid heart rate and ended up in intensive care. She had signs of rhabdomyolysis, and imaging showed an enlarged left ventricle. With treatment, her rhabdo symptoms improved, but potassium stayed low. She delivered a healthy baby after induction. Doctors zero in on diet as a potential cause. And after repeated questioning, she admitted that for the past several years, she's been consuming a pound of what every day? I'm not even, this is not multiple choice, people. Not multiple choice.
1: A pound is a lot of anything. Yeah. A A
0: pound of this every day. Talk it through.
1: All right, we got low calcium, low potassium. Yeah. Mm-hmm, rhabdomyolysis. We got a large ventricle. Any clues?
2: <laughs> it's got to be something that like. I feel like there's a lot to ask of an M1. Uh, yeah, I feel like we're bad at diagnosing like normal things. Yeah. <laughs> it has to like I feel like it's something that would impair renal function. Renal function. That's, That's what important. I was thinking. Okay.
3: What about like the potassium, like? You know, warfarin makes potassium lower. And they told us something about, like, greens and (laughs) kale and stuff.
0: Oh, okay. That's interesting. Consuming too many greens? I don't know if it's too much (laughs) potassium or too little (laughs) potassium.
1: (laughs) I think a lot of vitamin K, that would help with your clotting. She's not having
4: a clotting problem.
1: Oh, man. I mean, it breaks down.
4: You said she had, like, leg weakness? Yeah.
1: Is this something that, like, lesions? But the raptomyelosis might... Help, like, have to do something with the leg weakness.
2: Bad question. What is rhabdomyolysis? It's Uh-oh. like
1: muscle breakdown or something. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Maybe something that interferes with like the proteins. To get a clue, as is, is like a vegetable category.
0: You are probably very familiar with this personally. In is this your avocados. In, no. Oh, damn. <laughs> you <not laughs> specifically, Tracy, have mentioned something in today's show that makes me think that you are very familiar with this 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 thing that you could Bacon. but probably shouldn't eat is it cookie dough cinnamon no butter
1: of- <laughs> if it's something in baking baking soda
0: baking you got soda. it baking soda oh she has uh pica a condition that is common during pregnancy involves cravings for non-food items like cornstarch clay dirt ice and baking soda among other things, consuming large amounts of baking soda—something this woman had started years before to treat her hiccups—leads to metabolic abnormalities. Once she started, once she stopped eating baking soda, many of her symptoms resolved. Although her her enlarged ventricle stuck with her a little bit. So there you go, baking soda. That must be so
1: hard to just eat a whole pound of baking soda.
0: Have you ever eaten baking soda straight? Just tasted it? No. It's pretty I salty. So. Like, I, have. I feel like it's pretty salty. It's,
2: it always like seems like you would taste better than it actually does. (laughs) Well, it's (laughs) using baking, right? You're like, "Mm -hmm, must be good. (laughs) All right. A uh,
0: 25-year-old German man was trapped in an avalanche during a ski trip. Buried and unconscious, he suffered hypoxia for 15 minutes. He was rescued but developed myoclonic twitches in his mouth when he talked and legs during walking. He also developed tonic-clonic seizures in his left arm and was prescribed anti-epileptic medication. After leaving the hospital to rehab, he began having his seizures in his left arm when he engaged in what activity?
1: What do we do with our left arms? It's personal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're never gonna get this. But go ahead, throw out some throw out some wacky.
1: Watching TV.
0: Okay. Watching we have got watching TV. Matt.
2: Will you put me on the spot. I don't know yet. Maybe dancing. <laughs>
0: okay. Okay. Dancing. Benching. Benching. All right. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's an athletic guy. He might be benching. I'm
3: going to say playing shuffleboard.
0: Playing shuffleboard. Yeah. All answers are wrong. Uh, the answer is doing Sudoku. No. <laughs> Doctors determined that he had an unusually intense three-dimensional in- imagination, which he used to solve Sudoku puzzles. It enabled him to sort of sort the numbers and put them into the right sequence and all this kind of stuff. The hypoxia had disabled inhibitory neurons in his brain. In the central parietal region leading to the seizures in his left arm with medication and foregoing Sudoku, he's been seizure-free for five years. Wow. I don't like Sudoku. I'm going to, hot take, don't like Sudoku. You know why? Because I'm dumb. (laughs) Super dumb with Sudoku. I don't know
1: if
3: I've ever played. My
0: daughter and wife like Sudoku, but can't Mm -hmm. stand it. Just so you know. All right, next one. In an attempt to treat a woman for her severe temporal lobe epilepsy, doctors removed her amygdala and parts of her temporal lobe from one side of her brain. The surgery was successful in resolving her seizures, but as is expected with this kind of surgery, the woman's cognitive abilities were effective. What change occurred probably due to the removal of part of her amygdala? What's the amygdala do? What's it do? Fear. Oh, fear.
3: Okay.
4: (laughs) Fear. So if she loses her ability... Or less fear,
1: less able to restrain herself. Yeah. yeah, maybe
4: hypersexual.
1: Maybe I'm gonna say she starts doing like cliff jumping and stuff like oh, that. Okay. You know, yeah, right. maybe goes up to random strangers and starts hugging them.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. Feel like you're close. You're closer.
1: Mm. Oh, mm. that was a straight out of a random trash bag in my
0: head. Let's see. I feel like. What she she actually gained something that you might find useful in your future careers.
2: Is it photographic memory?
0: No, <laughs> that's a good one, though. Yeah, not gain a photographic memory.
1: Maybe she's just like more personable, like more easy to pick up or like start talking to people, have conversations with them. Okay,
0: You're you're, you're on the right track.
1: Ooh, that's tough.
0: The answer, I'm just gonna give it to you. Unless somebody else has another guess that they really want to put out there. The answer is that she became hyper empathy. You might expect that she'd become less able to read the emotions of other people with the remover of her amygdalas. The reason region is involved in recognizing emotion. But after surgery, she reported a new spectacular emotional arousal, which has persisted for more than a decade. She reports an increase in her ability to decode others' mental states, along with physical effects when witnessing emotional content on TV, in books, and when meeting other people. One test doctors tried involved having her recognize emotions from photos of only people's eyes and her scores were significantly higher than that of control subjects. So, you know, if if you want to be more empathetic to your patients, get rid of one of one a piece of your amygdala. That's my prescription. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think I I don't I have a little bit of hyper empathy when it comes to watching TV and movies like I get really uncomfortable with with shows where things are going wrong for people and I'm like I don't want to watch this
1: I feel that I cry a lot because I empathize with whatever like the lead character and it just it takes very little for me to just like start bawling in like movies and stuff
2: I feel like I get a lot of secondhand embarrassment yeah like especially from like some of the TV shows like the first season of The Office for me was really hard to watch just because like I feel like the later seasons got a little bit better, but the first season, I felt like what that just had a lot of secondhand embarrassment for me.
0: Yeah, I, I, the secondhand embarrassment thing is pretty much what I what I get to. I'm with you. Well, that's our show. Matt, Maddie, Jacob, Tracy, thanks for being on the show with me today. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Yeah, that's yeah. Fun. And what kind of pylon idle cyst would I be if I didn't thank you, Short Coats, for making us a part of your week? If you're new here and you like what you heard today, follow the show wherever fine podcasts are available, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube. Our editors are Maddie Walline and Nick Lind. Nick, thanks for all your help. Congratulations on graduating medical school. Fantastic. The show is made possible by a generous donation by Carver College of Medicine, student government, and ongoing support from the Writing and Humanities program. Our music is by Dr. Fox and Catmosphere. I'm Dave Etler saying, don't let the bastards get you down. Talk to you in one week.